Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast. Welcome to the Tired Mummy Podcast, a safe platform where we can openly discuss the highs and lows of parenthood, judgment-free. Join me in authentic conversations with mums and dads from across the globe, Let's help each other feel less alone. Let's grow and feel better in our parenting skin together. Come join our tribe while we get into some real talk. And don't forget, bring your coffee. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Tired Mummy podcast. I'm your host, Alice Lanesbury, and you're listening to episode number 25. Today, I welcome back the beautiful Katie Robertson. Uh, Please go back and listen to episode 11 with Katie. We talk about all things motherhood. We talk about how she navigated finding out that her son was going to be born with a birth defect and her pumping journey. She pumped for 12 bloody months and it's a great story. But today we're shifting gears and we're talking about how we can reduce the overwhelm in our home and transform it. Katie has developed a whole system, systems (laughs) to help mums really transform their home into a place of joy and happiness and contentment and organization and cleanliness. So yeah, we're going to get into how we can do that. And yeah, I'm really excited for you to listen to this episode. This episode is brought to you by MitoLife. I have been using MitoLife for well over a year now and their supplements have been a game changer in my life, especially in my first year of motherhood. If you've listened to my episode about how I keep my toddler's immune system strong, you would have heard me mention their Shilajit product. Shilajit is a complete trace mineral 
containing more than 85 carbon bonded organic minerals that are easily absorbed by the body. It's also a super rich source of folic acid, a compound which increases delivery of the minerals into the cell. It's a whole food supplement that brings mineral balance to the whole body in a natural way. And of course, I also take it myself. Uh, if I was stuck on an island and I was only allowed two supplements, it would be shilajit and magnesium for sure. I honestly believe that Shilajit is one of the supplements that has kept me going through these last few years of sleep deprivation. They have a ton of other amazing products as well that I use, like their vitamin E and their beef liver. I really feel like the vitamin E helps me with my skin. It's really good for a ton of other reasons, but visibly I can see my skin improving. And the beef liver, I think everyone knows how amazing beef liver is. It's the most nutrient dense thing in the world. And having it in a tablet form is just awesome because then you don't have to taste the gross liver. <laughs> Mito Life have given me an amazing discount for my listeners. Just use the code TIREDMUM15 at the checkout and you will get 15% off. So I will chuck the link in the show notes for you or you can just head to mitolife.co. That's M-I-T-O-L-I-F-E.co. Hello, Katie. Thank you so much for coming back on the show. I'm so keen for today's chat. Welcome to season two um, of the potty. This season, I'm asking a different intro question, and that is, what do you think your biggest learn in motherhood has been so far? Oh, it's so good to be back, Alice. I'm so excited. Obviously, a bit of a different uh, shifting gears in conversation, which I'm really excited about. I feel like we've progressed together in motherhood, so we're like kind of running alongside each other. Um, but yeah, I love this question. Um, I'm now in the toddler season, so I know when I was on, I was a little bit more the just going into the toddler season or just finishing like the pumping season in my life. So like my kids developed so much since we last talked. Um, I feel like my biggest lesson in motherhood now is um, learning to be present. <laughs> it sounds so basic. Yeah. But for me, it's just like slowing down. Like we just said um, offline, like just taking that moment to be present with your kids, really finding what they find joy, joy in in every season and just being willing to like put everything aside and slow down for those present moments because I find it's in those moments that's when like, yeah, I find the greatest joy, he finds the greatest joy. We both end up learning so much about each other um, and the intimacy builds. Like I feel that close connection. Like I've always said from the start, for me, having a baby was learning to get to know this new human in my life and literally become like best friends, even though I'm still his mom. But it's a journey. And as he's progressing through his developmental stages, I feel like I'm just trying to catch up with what mm. his little brain is doing and learn how to be a mom and he's kind of, you know, little interactive friend in all of these seasons and developments. Um, and a real gauge for me with the joy meter is if I'm laughing, if I'm stopping to laugh at funny little quirky things he says or does, all those moments where I stop and I turn to my husband and we smile at each other because we know he's just done something quirky in a moment, we'll never get on camera, might not ever happen again. And like, it just is like a little deposit in our heart. That's really what I'm trying to be more focused in, like as a business owner and all of the things that are going on in life. So the joy meter, the laughing, the spontaneous laughing in the, in the moments that no one else will ever see. 
Mm, that is so beautiful. I love that so much. Those moments, they just like keep me going, don't they? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> the tired mom keeps going from the joy moment. <laughs> yeah. So I absolutely love what you're doing at the moment. You're literally changing the lives of so many mothers and their families. And a big part of what you do is teaching mums to get time back, save money and make their home organized and toxin free. Why do you think most mums are so overwhelmed in the home? Yeah, look, I think it goes back to history, looking at history, like something I've been really, um, awakened to is like we've had the silent generation which is our grandparents we've got the baby boomers which is our parents we're the millennials and then it goes down down to gen z another one and i think it's gen x but what i've really been seeing is there's been a very fast transition obviously with technology the online space coaching um covid really obviously sped all of that up and somewhere between the silent generation and us, the millennials, it was like everything changed for modern day women, like the way that we go to work full time, the way that we run businesses, the way that we have quite executive roles in corporate, like women are coming more to the front line more than ever and are taking on more in jobs and career than ever before, while also still trying to maintain the house, be a home homemaker and also be a mum. And there's obviously this real wrestle with being a stay-at-home mum, having a career, and also now with inflation kicking in, um, some women may want to be at home, but actually feel like they need to go to work purely for a financial standpoint, which would be such a tension in anyone's heart. Um, and if you have been a stay-at-home mom for a certain season and then you're being reintroduced into the workforce again by passion, choice, or by financial need, there's this real realization how do I do it all mm -hmm. and we actually don't have any role models to really look to yes you might have some people you're inspired by on Instagram or in the online space but I'm talking about role models that really practically walk it out with you aka mothers parents grandparents now for me most baby boomers were stay-at-home moms for most of primary school yeah. um, and maybe transitioned in high school that's definitely what my mom did um, so I don't think we've really been modeled and obviously there's always exceptions to the rules but as a general population particularly in Australia I don't feel like we've been modeled how to be online business coaches how to be in the online space how to have side hustles how to work full-time and look after the home and prepare food and as you know like extracurricular activities have kicked in like you've got sport you've got ballet you've got all these extra things that schools are providing which also did not happen when we were at school I feel like I walked to school with my mom I came home and I rode my bike and I did my homework. I don't remember there being all of this busyness. Yeah, I got swimming lessons and then I started dance when I was a bit older and my parents had to drive me to dance. I know I was an only child, so it was always going to be a little bit easier. But I just don't remember it being so full on and I had a lot more time to just play and be and I kind of had my mum around or like my grandparents around. Um, and obviously property was different then, money was different and the whole system operated differently. Like my mom could be a stay-at-home mom and my family wasn't going to go bankrupt. Like that was just a real ease. So for me, I had this real awakening. I was like, how is a woman 
meant to know how to operate like a 1950s housewife, prepare food on the table every night, have a perfectly cleaned house and go to work or run a business four to five days a week and raise children in an era where we're learning more about connection and play and all of these things. How do you do that? Mm. And I saw so many women coming to me and the biggest thing was they felt shame that they didn't know how to do it all and they didn't know how to run their house, but they felt they should because that's just what women do and that whole kind of patriarchal thing that still kind of operates in our line, even as millennials. So that kind of shook me up in answer to your question. Mm, I've literally got goosebumps all over my body with everything you just said because I've never thought about it from that perspective that you know, just like breastfeeding and just like, you know, everything else in motherhood, it's the same thing. Like we don't have people to show us how to do it. Like we just don't like, you know, so many things that we just have not been taught or we don't have role models for. And it's just, yeah, you've really blown me away with that one. It's so, so, so true. So in saying that, what's the main area of concern you see mothers struggling with in the home? Okay, so cleaning and cooking, <laughs> just straight up, super easy, cleaning and cooking. And I just want to like quickly add in off the back of what I said before. So even the, so the average stay-at-home mum, right, she was doing sewing, cooking, cleaning, gardening, I think the man would do more of the lawns, but she was really operating at basically not needing to outsource anything. Like they would probably even grow their own food as well. So we're talking about cutting down a lot of money and and also, um, well, depending on what era, but there obviously was um, the nanny era in the 1950s. But as we progressed, they were generally looking after their own kids as well. Um, so we're, we're, we're cutting out all of the outsourcing, all of the food deliveries, the cleaners, the daycare, um, all of those costs, right? She basically covered all of those costs and then the husband brought in the income to pay for the rest of the bills. What I'm seeing now is because we're losing those skills, mums are still wanting to be stay-at-home mums, but they're potentially still outsourcing on top of that. So she may not be earning an income and we're outsourcing on top of that and we have inflation and the cost of living is just way more. So there's almost this imbalance between um, income going in and expenditure. So like if you need to get something mended, it, unless you've got a grandma that can help, it's probably likely that the woman isn't going to be doing the sewing. So you're paying for those things to get mended or you're throwing them in the bin and you're literally buying all new stuff because we don't have those skills to fix things. So there's also been this awkwardness in transition between like balance of money um, because of a lack of skill. And, and I say that respectfully, there is just a lack of skill in the home. Again, no role models. So I found women are coming home from work and they're trying to, or even stay at home mums, because they're kind of my two main women. Um, and they're trying to cook a meal and it's taking anywhere between an hour and an hour and a half to set up, cook and pack down for, for most women in an evening after potentially working and traveling or being with kids all day, especially if you have little ones, it's very draining. So you're basically hanging on until your husband also comes home if you have a partner or vice versa. And 
you're trying to do this mad rush in the evening. Kids are stressed. Kids are tired. You generally then dread bed and bath time and you're rushing your kids through the bath. You're rushing your kids through book time. And by the time you sit on the couch, you're so done. There's like no time left for your husband. There's no intimacy left. There's no deep, amazing combos. You're either passing out on the couch while the TV's still on or you're then still getting back up and doing the washing and still doing all these other jobs. So it's like so much is trying to happen in one day and no wonder women are spread so thin. No wonder adrenal is off the charts. No wonder women are feeling isolated and stressed because there's just too much we're trying to pack into a day and the tasks that we're doing are taking longer than maybe they could based on what I've kind of been practicing with my methods and efficiency. And then cleaning, you know, cleaning before we were saying offline, before we had kids, you maybe would do on a Saturday if you're working mostly full time. You could take your time on a Saturday doing it. You could put the music on. You can open the windows, whatever. There is no way on a Saturday with children you were spending the whole day cleaning unless you have a partner, vice versa, that takes the kids out for the whole day. And to be honest, if your kids go to school or daycare or they don't see their other partner during the week, that's the day they get to actually be with your whole family. Mm -hmm. So if you're then doing the whole day cleaning, again, you probably feel resentful, it's ineffective, um, and then the kids all come home because it's the weekend and they basically trash the whole house all over again after all of this (laughs) work done and sacrifice actually maybe being able to go get a coffee on your own for half an hour and have some time or you know, go get your hair done or some other things that really fill your tank up. And I get there's people out there that enjoy cleaning and, you know, maybe call themselves neat freaks and stuff, but I'm telling you, even those people still need to fill up their cup, right? Um, I also think we're in an era where children haven't been empowered to help around the home. Like I can't tell you how many women's children don't do chores and I'm not judging or anything, but If everybody in the family actually took responsibility for a part of the home, and like I was saying offline, we can start introducing that to our kids when they're literally three years old. Even just them putting their plates in the sink is a job that I don't have to do. Them taking their nappy off and putting in the garbage bin, a job I don't have to do. Like all these little things, helping them get dressed in the morning, knowing where their undies are, pulling the the doona up on their bed. If everyone in the family actually participated in the household, like a little piece of the puzzle, it would reduce mum's stress or the partner, whoever is operating in that role, by like more than 50%. Mm. And I've seen it in the girls in this last round of my course. So I've seen girls, women having a cleaning roster, learning how to do bite-sized cleaning around the house every day for each person every day. For example, if you have a husband that you went and said, he's like, oh, do you need any help with anything? Or maybe he doesn't even ask if you need help with anything and you're like, honey, I really need you to go clean all the bathrooms. His brain is going to probably going to overdrive if he's not the one that generally does the cleaning. There's some really, I have wives that are, um, I have friends that are wives and their husband's actually incredible around the home. So I know I am generalizing. I'm not trying to be sexist, but most women population wise are carrying most of the home and if you were to say that they would probably freak out think it's going to take hours in their head and be very resistant if you were to go to your partner but honey can you just go wipe over the two basins in the two um, bathrooms and get the the window cleaner and just wipe both mirrors 
see how long that takes, come back to me. If we get time, I'll get you to go wipe um, over the toilet and the scrubbing brush. There's the cupboard, there's the cleaner, there's the cloth. He will, in his mind, know that he can wipe two mirrors and wipe two basins. But for you, that saved you another job that week. That saved you another 20 minutes. For him, he feels like it's not a big deal. So it's breaking everything down to bite-sized pieces so it's palatable and simple for everybody in the house to contribute. But before you know it, all the pieces have come together and actually most of the house stays clean weekly, very simply without anyone feeling overburdened. So that's what I've been seeing a lot with those two areas already. So good. Like I'm so I'm so excited for people to learn more because it's things like this that, you know, once you all add it up, it will make such a difference, especially with families with multiple kids. Like, you know, where you we're thinking about <laughs> extending the family, but still there's a part of my brain that's just like, how? <laughs> yeah, I get it. How? So I wanted to ask you, what are two things that are toxic in our home that probably would come as a surprise to most people? Oh, two's hard, but like just obvious ones for me, um, you know, your spray and wipes, your bench cleaners, anything that you're spraying out of those beautiful colored spray bottles with pictures of lavender fields on them or, you know, <laughs> spring flowers, which is anything but those things. It's called greenwashing. Um, you know, your spray and wipes, your, your wipes for your toilet. Like most people would look under their laundry and would probably have anywhere between 20, 14 to 20 different types of bottles or sprays or things. Um, and then you'll probably go down the cleaning aisle and still buy additional things that you've never seen before that you think will be great to use and add it to the pile. Um, all of that stuff under your sink, your laundry sink, your basin, wherever you store it is all toxic. We've seen, um, what is it, Tiny Hearts, um, Instagram page, the first aid Instagram page, share all about locking your cupboards, not having those things under the sink. For me, I just don't buy them. Yeah. I take it one step further. I don't even want it in my house. I don't care if it's locked in the safest cupboard. Accidents always happen. And um, dish liquid, so dish soap, is actually the top reason um, children actually call the poison hotline because remnants of the dish soap actually gets left on dishes and containers and kids actually eat it. Um, so that is a really random one you wouldn't expect. Probably parents are more aware of like the spray and wipes because it's more obvious. Um, and of course the laundry liquid, oh man, whether it's liquid or powder or all the pretty pictures, like I say, they're on the box of the container. Laundry liquid is by far one of the most toxic things. A lot of um, laundry liquids and powders or nappy sand, they all contain bleach, um, which so obvious don't be using bleach like old school different um cultures like italian culture loves bleach like they love things being clean it's, it's cheap it's easy it is somewhat effective in the way that you know it does do what it says it will do but highly toxic carcinogen um all of these chemicals particularly any women i'm sure that are following you have gone on a fertility journey an ivf journey um you know in the ivf clinics like the actual clinics where they handle um what is it the egg and the what is it when you join the egg and the sperm the embryo embryo yeah they're not allowed to wear perfume 
not allowed to spray anything. They are not allowed to have anything in the clinic that could be contaminated on them personally because it could um, affect the embryo. So they're going to that level of detail in the clinic to be preparing women for their IVF journey. How much more do we need to be doing it when we're the actual ones producing the eggs and spraying our body and have the hormone endocrine system operating, right? Yeah, so the easiest 100%. way I explain it is when chemicals come in through sprays, inhalation, skin contact, so straighten your bloodstream within 60 seconds, it then shuts down the operation of your hormones and your hormones is like, I call them like little Pac-Man. They go around the different parts of the organs, the different parts of the body, which makes up the endocrine system. And they have a little chat. How are you going today, buddy? What's happening over here? When those chemicals come in and shut that system down, your hormones, one, then stop communicating with the rest of your body. So your communication system basically goes down. And we know in any company or any operation, if the communication system goes down, no one knows what's going on, probably going to lose profit. It's ineffective and you don't have team collaboration, right? If no one can talk to each other, the whole system shuts down. That's what's happening in women's bodies. Um, that's why we've also seen such a massive skyrocket in infertility. They're tracing a lot of it back to chemicals in the womb. Um, they found over 150 chemicals in the umbilical cord that transmitted from the mother to the child before the baby had even exited and hit earth, which is where we would assume most pollution comes from. It's actually not. It's in the home. The home's the most toxic places now on the planet. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah, there's so like honestly, like I've just got one one spray bottle of my pre-made cleaner that I just make myself with the um the oils that I get off you, and that's it. Like it's, it's simple. It's actually, and like, it's actually less cleaner. overwhelming. Yes. Like you don't have all this crap in the cupboard. I've actually got space in there. <laughs> yeah. And you you don't stress as much about the kids and you know, yeah. feel the shift in the atmosphere already. Like you actually feel better pretty quick. Yeah, especially with a toddler, like they open up all the cupboards. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, I think that's really important for people to um, maybe do some, ed you know, educate themselves on that, um, which they can. You've got amazing content on your page, so. I would highly suggest going over to Katie's page and following her because you do have lots of lots of information over there on that. Um, now you are currently saving mums four to six hours in the kitchen, which is like a superpower. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what are three quick kitchen hacks to help us save more time? Yeah, super easy. Okay. So, um, setting up your bench space before you're either doing your single meal in the evening or whenever you do it or your meal prepping. Um, so yeah, obviously when I was a trained chef operating like on a commercial level, everything we did mattered. Every single move we make mattered. Every wrong turn I made, every time I rehandled the same item too many times was me working overtime for free. It was me not getting a lunch break, not that I ever, ever got a lunch break. Lunch breaks was me standing, which is why I actually got so frustrated because it's not good for your digestion to do that at all. So mom, sit down and eat your meal and take a few deep breaths. Standing over the kitchen bench, shoveling your food in just to do bedtime routine is causing all sorts of indigestion problems um, and stress in your, your gut. Um, but clearing the bench, 
don't have all your grocery shopping still piled up on the bench and you're trying to do it or dishes from the day before or dishes from that morning, clear your bench, have it all packed in the dishwasher and have room left in your dishwasher to be cleaning as you're going. So I will, um, let's say you get a measuring cup and, and you're measuring broth or a liquid of some kind. Put that measuring cup, if you're finished with it, straight into the top drawer of your dishwasher. Don't just put it in the sink. The sink is not a dump yard for you to then have to clean at the end of the night. Massive no-no. It will feel more overwhelming while you're cooking. Um, and aesthetically in the brain, when we see chaos and mess, our body goes into overdrive and it actually starts to shut down and we can't make effective decisions and we can't then operate quickly. The brain literally goes, whoa, 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 whoa. There's so much going on and it starts to shut down. That's why clutter in the home can really trigger women and then partners will come home and they're like, I just feel like everything's a mess. I can't cope. I'm so stressed. There's stuff everywhere. And the man will come in and probably go, it's not that bad, dude. Like, chill out. But your brain is so in overdrive from looking. It's like when you go into an art gallery and there's so many paintings to look at, you actually get to the end and you're like, well, I just need to, like, not look for a while. Like, my my eyeballs are, like, buzzing from overwhelm of so many different colours and shapes and pictures. That's what it's like. So I always keep my sink clear and then especially if I need to drain my pasta or do something else, it's not like I'm trying to jam everything in and try to get the tap over the top because everything's just spewing out. That's also another trigger. We then get stressed. Then your kid comes up to you and you're snapping because everything's just too much. So keeping a very clear space. I don't like to work beyond the width of um, like my chopping board, like my body. I understand things can be on the stove or things can be in the oven or you have like, you know, maybe something draining in the sink, but do not go beyond the width of your um, your body. And that is a really good rule, especially for people in units or smaller kitchens. Um, also be below your um, body, so between your body and the bench, I like to have an open, not a littered, cannot stand the amount of seconds that you spend pushing the button on the bin to get the lid open while you're cooking could literally equal the duration of your cooking time anywhere between 15 and 20 minutes. It's ridiculous. Also, don't have your bin somewhere like that looks cool in your aesthetic kitchen, far away from where you're cooking. I like to have a bin that I can drag, even if it's ugly and you've got a pantry, push it into the pantry when you're done. Um, if you have a garbage bin where it's the drawer style, which also do my head in, Unless you've designed your kitchen that that drawer pull-out bin is directly under the bench where you cook, which would be epic, that would be super strategic, you need to have a separate little bin, like a bucket or um, just like a big bowl that you put all your scraps and all your rubbish in. If you do composting, which I'm always in favour of, have your compost bin right there and be operating with a garbage bin in the space of where you're cooking. So like I never need to leave my space that I'm cooking to walk to the garbage bin to walk back. If you count how many times you walk to the garbage bin that's not beneath your feet, again, we're, we're talking about like 20, 30, even 40 minutes for some people if they're quite slow cooks and they're walking back and forth every little scrap, <laughs> which you, I've had so many people, oh my gosh, Caitlin, I've walked to the bin so many times when I cook. So yeah, width of your space, dishwasher ready to go for things to pack into it. So if it's clean and it's full, empty it before you start cooking, because then, then all of the, the dishes that you're cooking with go straight in the dishwasher. 
pots, pans, everything. Then when you finish dinner, straight into the dishwasher. There's nothing worse than trying to be cooking. Kids are coming in whinging. And then you're trying to still unpack the dishwasher and then the sink is full. You can see how overwhelming that is just me talking about it. We're not even doing it yet. Um, so that in itself will be huge. Um, I'm really big on bringing all my groceries home, whether that's from the market or from, you know, Woolworths or Coles, whatever you choose, washing it all at once, drying it all at once, keeping the things out that I'm using for that moment when I'm cooking mm. um, and putting the rest in the fridge. That alone will probably save you another, gosh, I could save you an hour. Every time you pull something out, you're washing it individually per every cooking session or lunch making session or breakfast session. Such a time where you want to pull everything out of your fridge and know it's ready to go. Chop, 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 snack. Chop, 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 make dinner. Um, so they're just a few of the really, really important ones. Mm, so good. I think uh, my listeners will be very grateful for those hacks. Really good hacks. I am a massive fan of just putting stuff straight in the dishwasher. My husband is a rinser and then puts it in the dishwasher and it actually drives me insane. I'm like, stop doing that. Just put it in the damn dishwasher. So that's what it's made for. Yeah. Nah. I think it's, um, you got to see like how strong your dishwasher is, if it's old. And if you do do that, you need to do um, an extra special rinse on the drain in the dishwasher because it gets clogged with food. Oh, yeah. You can do like a bicarb vinegar rinse through your dishwasher to help clear it out. Otherwise, it can get smelly. That's a good idea. I might have to yeah. I might have to have a look, see what it's doing. <laughs> uh, now, like we talked about before, the cost of living is just getting ridiculous. Where do you think families are spending too much money unnecessarily? Okay, I recently did some polls on my Instagram with inflation, what's the things people are most going to cut? And a lot of them did say um, like unnecessary memberships, so like going through and seeing what they're paying for monthly and they don't really need it. Um, and the next one was eating out and cleaners um, and then, of course, entertainment. So that really got me thinking if we are reducing how much we're eating out, because let's think about how much eating out skyrocketed during the pandemic, right? Some people didn't even have good cooking facilities. So um, a lot of apartment buildings that are being built now in like uni districts don't even have a proper kitchen. They have like a microwave, a sink, um, potentially a dishwasher. A lot of them don't have like stoves or ovens. So a lot of people um, really struggled when you couldn't go out and eat out all the time. So eating out is obviously a huge, massive cost. And I'm all for having fun and like getting takeaway. But if you're if you're getting takeaway even once a week, that's going to be a huge cost in your family. Like if you have a family of five um, and you're getting pizzas, unless you're getting Domino's and getting like a really good coupon, like you're probably spending $60, $70 to get pizzas and garlic yeah. bread or whatever. Um, Especially like pizzas are really gourmet now. Like most pizzas are like $26 a pizza. Yeah, yeah. Our local place, it's like the cheapest pizza is like $24 and I'm just like, it's just cheese. It's just cheese. <laughs> Literally. So, you know, if you get Thai, you're like getting a few different containers of rice. You want to get two or three different dishes. Like, Easily, like one family I know was easily spending $100 on takeaway. Um, yeah, maybe we'll probably give them leftovers and they eat for lunch the next day as well. But 
like it's not really saving that much money by feeding an extra lunch, right? So there, there's some really big ones. Um, obviously cleaners, um, is something that will get cut, um, because yeah, that's a that's a fortnightly expense that can be anywhere between fifty to two hundred dollars. Um, and like I said, if everyone was operating in the home, taking a part of the cleaning and using a cleaning roster you actually would find unless you had a really big mansion of a home um, that you would actually be able to maintain the cleaning. So you have to really look at like your time versus your spendings. Like there is some things like if, if you're really um, uh, like you're really operating at a high level in like a corporate role or you're building your business and you're really at a point where you're pioneering and your hour cleaning could make you $300 an hour. Yeah, obviously getting a cleaner in is super worth it because you know that hour you could make way more than what the cleaner would cost. But honestly, that is a smaller percentage of the female population, right? So like they're calculating their output totally different to a stay-at-home mom or a full-time worker, like most women in full-time roles, like don't reach a hundred thousand. They're probably anywhere between 50 and maybe 80 on average. And we know that a lot of that goes to private schools, extracurricular activities and mortgage. So there isn't much wiggle room anymore for like outsourcing all of your cooked meals, um, you know, having cleaners. So people are going to start cutting those things. Um, now coming back to that, People that have been outsourcing a lot aren't going to necessarily know, well, how much food do I buy? Mm. How do I cook? When am I cooking? How many people are going to be home for that meal? Like you have to actually get super strategic because what ends up happening is you'll go out to the shops, buy all this random food, or, or maybe you've written a bit of a shopping list with the things that you ne normally need, get sucked into buying a bag of zucchinis because it looks cheaper. I don't know anyone that can eat a bag of zucchinis in a week. Like I get sick of zucchinis after two nights. Yeah. Like even if I grated them and made a zucchini slice, you still only use like three or four zucchinis. So being really careful of getting sucked into like deals like that, unless you genuinely like are juicing or are going to make massive meal preps or you're hosting something where you know you're going to use all of that, guaranteeing most people only use maybe two of each vegetable. Even buying two capsicums for most families is too much capsicum. You don't want to eat that much capsicum unless you're roasting it and making a dip. And again, people are doing these things on a weekly basis. So counting, and it sounds ridiculous, but counting every vegetable you need for the five evening meals that you're making, because most people want to go out and get fish and chips or pizza or do something fun on the weekends or a Friday night or they go to their parents' house and they do a roast on Sunday. Like lots of people, you know, go to a weekly traditional meal thing with external family or whatever. Um, so having your meals fully, fully written down that you're cooking every night, really calculating what are the nights that the, each parent is actually home operating. So like, for example, do we have on Thursday, the two kids have got two back-to-back extracurricular sports activities. The reality of you making a meal that night is not happening. That They're the nights that people get the takeaway, they get the fish and chips, they do the Macca's drive-through. It's not realistic. So you've got to be calculating in all your planning, what are the nights I'm the most stressed and I'm actually not home? 
Are they the nights where we literally just do eggs on toast? You know, eggs are super highly nutritious. Doing an eggs on toast one night a week is so much better than going and buying takeaway with like fried seed oils or doing the macas run, right? Um, you know, doing like a, a doing different chopped up things. Like you got your um, maybe you had like olives and eggs and sliced cucumbers and like another random thing all super nutritious things like a little platter that you know you can throw together in 10 minutes or even put in lunch boxes for them to have in the run for an example that's a really random example um so not saying that you're going to cook every night if you're actually not guarantee more food is getting left in the bottom of the crisper going soggy and moldy that you haven't seen you haven't calculated for and you thought more you know, we get all these big ideas. I'm going to cook all these massive, amazing meals. I'm going to go on this health kick for three weeks or whatever. You buy all this stuff and then you get to the end of the week and you're like, oh, I didn't even schedule them when I was going to cook that. Mm. Now I feel really demotivated that I've wasted all this money and food. I didn't achieve anything. I still bought out and now I'm actually feeling really crap. And then that that motivation then gets decreased to go into the next week to start again. And it kind of creates like a really negative cycle. So yeah, you need to learn how to meal plan. You need to learn how to book in when you're going to prep your meals. If you do like what I say, the three-in-one method where you cook three meals in an hour um, and have it ready to go to reheat for the rest of the week. Or you need to be really strategic. How much time does it cook to make those dishes that you've written down? And is it viable each night? Like if you're coming home rushed and the kids think they're getting lasagna, we all know lasagna takes ages to bake. <laughs> Eggs can take like an hour to make and an hour to bake if you're doing it a particular way. So, I mean, I totally have a quick way to do lasagna, but what I'm saying is people are trained in that mentality. Dinner's not going to be ready till 9, 10 o'clock and everyone's going to be ticked off and you're going to be stressed. Mm. So there's actually a lot to factor into it, um, but guarantee that's going to save a lot of money. Um, I, I genuinely think that could save families anywhere between 50 and a hundred dollars. I reckon on wasted produce, wasted meat um, every single week. That's just not being cooked. And the other really funny one that people forget about, which I see all the time is they buy lots of stuff discounted um, and you, you can strategically buy fruit that's discounted or veggies that are discounted, but you need to have a plan, a really good plan to cook that stuff straight away, yeah. like straight away. Like you buy the box of the bananas, that's $5. You need to be willing to go home that day and peel the bananas and freeze them for smoothies or banana bread. You can't just leave it there um, and not get to it. And it sounded like a good idea. So yeah, being very, not getting sucked into deals when you can't eat it, planning your meals, planning how long your meals take and actually scheduling in when you're cooking your meals either once a week or every single day. Wow, it is an art form, isn't it? And I'm just, I am so grateful and so stoked that you have taken on the role to be the role model. Like you are it. <laughs> You are teaching the mums how to do it and how to feel good about it. Like, cause I know people will resonate with so much that you've said, especially, you know, when you get to the end of the week and you haven't used that meat, that's gone moldy. You feel shit. You feel like you're not doing a good job because there's washing piled up. There's laundry. The house isn't clean. Like it, it's literally an art form that we haven't been taught how to master and 
you're providing that. So thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so lovely. And thank you for joining me and sharing. You've shared so much today. Um, it's honestly amazing. Um, and, you know, I love that you call your course and upskilling home transformation, legacy leaving, empowering woman homemaker course, because it honestly is like once we learn these things, we can pass them on. Um, and, yeah, I just think it's really important work to help mothers with the overwhelm that they're experiencing at the moment. So thanks for coming on and sharing so much of your knowledge. Yes, and I guess if I could leave one thing um, I would just love to see the home and particularly the kitchen become a place of joy because I feel like for so many women um, and children, it's a place that they pass and it's a drag and mm. it's frustration and it's often overwhelm. But when you can be in a good place and you feel organised, um, you'll see children come alive in the kitchen. And I've seen it so much with my own son. I've seen it in other families, the empowerment um, also for people out there that have kids that have fussy eaters, getting them involved in the cooking process, cutting, chopping, uh, mixing. I've seen an increase in what kids eat because they feel so empowered in the process and they've enjoyed the process of preparing it. They're so proud when they they can get to eat it. Um, and just the empowerment when the whole family comes together and actually can sit at the table and eat or there's music playing in the kitchen while mom's cooking and you're dancing and you're being silly. Like it shifts the whole energy of the home. And the reality is we're in the kitchen minimum three times a day. Mm. So, or two, if you're like a full-time worker. So that's a lot of time spent in a room in the house that can totally shift energy, shift atmosphere. Um, and my favorite memories is like sitting on the bench, making cookies, licking the spoon. Yeah, like that's a too. very joyful memory for me. Um, and and when I think of that picture, that represents family and connection and intimacy for me um, and joy. So I just feel like for me as well, that within that legacy leaving, it's creating a space where there's going to be so much more joy in the home um, and really teach kids that yeah, it doesn't have to be a drag and you can have a business and and still cook and without being grumpy. And, you know, your husband can come home without screaming at him because you're so overwhelmed. Like that whole, like seriously, one of the biggest testimonies I've seen in the course is women's marriages, like so increase in intimacy and love and joy. Like one mom is a stay-at-home mom with two kids, a baby that's only three months old, and she um, is at home alone 10 hours a day because her husband has a construction business. And he used to walk in the door at 7 o'clock and she was so overwhelmed and so much going on. He now gets home at 7 o'clock. His dinner's ready. The whole kitchen's clean. The whole house is done. And she's on the couch waiting for him every single night. And they hang out every night now. And the kids are done. And she said the joy it's brought to her marriage the intimacy they now have, the depth of their conversations. He's seen such a shift in her mood. He can't wait to come home. And now on the weekends, he does all the cooking, all the helping, and then she gets to fully have a rest. And they've found this like really beautiful rhythm and flow in their marriage. And they actually came out of a really hard season in their marriage. So that that's like the atmosphere shifting that I'm kind of like going for. Like there's lots of blogs out there. There's lots of recipe creators, but 
this is like transforming the home, like mm. to be a really happy, sustainable place. So yeah, that's that's like my real, real, real heart behind it all, you know, aside from like being quick in the kitchen and all of that. Mm, I love your passion for it, honestly. It's it's so beautiful. And I just think I just think you're amazing. <laughs> Thanks, Alice. Thanks for being on here. Um yeah, and I'm I'm so excited for you to be a part of it all. Yeah, I can't wait to join. So everyone, I'm joining um, Katie's course. Uh, the next intake is October and I'm going to be sharing everything on Instagram and probably do a podcast on it too. So <laughs> it's going to be exciting. Oh, you're doing awesome, Alice. You're like literally supporting so many mums, like you're changing lives. Like I know this community is so, so grateful for you. And when you're the host, you don't always get to, you know, puff yourself up, but <laughs> From one mum to another like and even like you know the name of your um podcast like I'm fully believing that you won't always be the type <laughs> you better be full of joy and passion <laughs> and achieve all incredible things that are in your heart so mm-hmm. yeah keep keep going and I'm so grateful for your your beautiful community that's gathered around you oh thank you I'm so blessed I just love Katie. She is just such a beautiful soul and her energy is so infectious. And I know you're all going to want to know where to find her. So on Instagram, you can find her at the Home Detox Project, all one word, and also at Living the Abundant Way. And I will also put the link to her waitlist for her amazing course in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so grateful for all of you and I'm so grateful to interview beautiful people like Katie. So until next time, this tired mummy is signing out. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial. 
plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.